Hey, Angela here. Before we begin this episode, I'd like to invite you to join our Substack community, where you'll get more founder profiles, exclusive behind-the-scenes content, first access to all my original work, and access to our community group chat. All you have to do is click the link in the description. I love and appreciate your support. It's awesome to see all your comments, email responses, and reactions. I'm happy to share this journey with you. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Honey and Hustle, a video podcast that inspires the dreamers, creators, and hustlers to make a business from their passions. I'm Angela Hollowell, and I'm a visual storyteller based in Durham, North Carolina. I sit down with creative entrepreneurs, nonprofit founders, and small business owners as they share their stories, the lessons they've learned throughout their careers, and how they've worked to make a positive impact. Hey everyone, we are filming season three of the Honey and Hustle podcast live at the Durham Bottling Co. right in downtown Durham. We're about to get into a great conversation, but before we do that, I'd really appreciate it if you take a moment to share this episode with someone who you think might get some value from it. Feel free to tag me on the podcast on social media, and I'll be sure to put those links on the video and in the description below. If you're listening to the show, please consider leaving us a review on Podchaser, Apple Podcast, or Spotify. It helps others find the show and lets me know how I'm doing at this video podcast thing. If you'd like to support the show, be sure to check out our affiliate links, shop our merch, and subscribe to the Honeypot newsletter and this YouTube channel, all at the links in the description. Without further ado, let's get into it. So thank you so much for joining me here today. I really appreciate you taking the time to come out to the Durham Bottling Co. Uh, this afternoon. <laughs> with your There's honey nothing in here, but I'm going to pretend like there is because it makes me happy to hold something. Isn't this great? Are you selling these? I am on my website. So buy this on her website. How cute is this? Honey and Hustle. I love it. Yes. It's a cute logo. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I yeah. appreciate it. Um, so you, I mean, like, honestly, I just feel like you should be interviewing me because you've done all the things. Um, you've been with, um, ReCity, which is another co-working space more specifically for nonprofits. Um, you've been with Leadership Triangle, which is kind of the premier, um, gathering kind of cohort here in the Triangle to both learn about the Triangle and to develop leadership skills alongside other founders. Um, and you've done some work with just incredible other organizations. I don't want to spoil the story. So okay. um, for people who don't know who you are, Jess, uh, could you just kind of tell us a little bit about your journey with working with different organizations here in the Triangle and also kind of your reasoning for even though you've had this incredible career and are still thriving right now um, with working with different organizations, why you still felt like having Jess and Co having your own kind of agency and, and control over your own narrative was really, really important for you. Yeah, I love that question. Um, I want to make, I'll make a correction in the narrative about ReCity. Yeah. It's an it's a, it's a important correction, but it's also part of the journey. So I think it's good. Yeah. Um, my career, you know, this is always an, this is always a scary question because when you open up Pandora's box on somebody's like, why? Mm-hmm. They want to take you all the way back. <laughs> um, they do. We're all like, hmm, when I was three. But honestly, my, my business and how I move professionally today mm-hmm. is driven by being a fourth generation entrepreneur. So I've been working since I was six in a small town in Ohio with a family who was successful business owners, but they continued to pivot and reinvent themselves and figure out market shifts and then do a new thing and 
They they had a roller roller rink to um, auction house to appraisal firm to a real estate um, company to becoming real estate investors. I mean, they did all the things based on what the demands were in the market. And so not knowing what I was learning as a child because I was just working Mm -hmm. and watching and observing, um, I learned a lot that serves me to this day. I mean, I was, you know, I was coming from a talk earlier and used so much of the lessons that I learned from my grandfather in that talk. You know, I've worked, as you said, I've worked for lots of companies, nonprofit for-profit, from names that people are recognized. I was in the sports and the entertainment industry. I worked at General Electric as a financial analyst. I worked in partnership with the Bengals, the Browns, and the Cavs when I was in Ohio, and we raised, uh, produced um, HBCU football classics to raise money for those schools. Uh, so I got a chance to do both the nonprofit, like working with, the, you know, with, with educators and at the same time, got exposure to the sports and entertainment world in a way that was just like we were with BET and all that. And so that, at a young age, having that kind of exposure teaches you, you're just like, like the house is on fire. You're just trying to do all the things and figure it out because you're young and you're, you're ambitious and you're hungry. And again, taking those lessons, pulling them through what's important to me, what matters to me, what doesn't, and applying it to the next gig, right? So... Um, well, I moved here about 17 years ago, and I do the math. Actually, 16 years ago, my, I have a 20-year-old son. Mm-hmm. And um, when we moved here, uh, it was like reinventing all over again, starting all over, right? I went mm-hmm. through a divorce. It was like, who, who is Jess? Mm-hmm. And, you know, your question is, a, you know, is about the journey, and it's about the why. But, but a lot of it is about just being a woman, yeah. <laughs> trying to figure out how to take the talent and the skills that I've been acquiring and not hide them, but frame them up in a way that I think are, is most valuable and it honors my core values. That's it. Yeah. And that isn't an easy journey because people want to tell you your place in the world. They want to tell you what you do and how to do it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they might be really close to being on the mark but maybe they're a little bit off and you're like, okay. And you kind of, yeah. you go off, but, but then you're like, but really I'm called to do, I should just turn right a little bit. I'm really close, but I'm not there, mm-hmm. which is why I started my company mm-hmm. because I wanted to really inform my team and, and my work the way I wanted to inform it. That's yeah. what I said to you. Like, I think, you know, I'm going to do, put out into the world what I want to be out into the world and not have somebody dictate that. So uh, so I, so I've had an incredible work experiences. Don't get me wrong. They've been amazing leadership triangle being one of them. I learned a lot of leadership development with mentors that I got access to company executives just by nature of the job, right? It's a very, very fortunate position because you just by nature of your role, get a chance to, you get exposed, right? Right. Um, and so that has served me well and I built really good relationships and that goes back to my grandfather. My grandfather was highly respected, beloved. He had, he had incredible integrity, and he worked his ass off. Mm-hmm. He had work ethic. And, I, and he expected us all to have work ethic. You know, he had a farm, and he had a company, and yeah. he had multiple companies. And I don't know how you put your overalls on at night, chopping wood, doing the things. And the next morning, you put a suit on, and you go to the bank, and you do the things with your invest, whatever he was doing, right? Yeah. I watched him do that day in and day out, be two different kinds of 
person but his whole self right so there was really no I had even if I wanted to I couldn't be any different because it be it at some point that intersectionality of just who I am over time came to a head mm-hmm. and it came to a head um during the pandemic mm. so I left my my role as executive director of leadership triangle a role I loved and in, enjoyed and was one of the most fulfilling ever uh, to start my company because I was being called and pulled into the space for women's women empowerment, professional development for women and helping women navigate their reinvention stories. And so I do that uh, mostly. That's what the, the public sees. Like if you go to my Instagram or whatever, you're going to see me loving up on women, just like championing their work and reminding them they have a voice that matters and that the world needs more of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then on the other side, I have a consulting arm where I do stakeholder engagement and reputational brand assessments for companies. Mm. So it's twofold. twofold. Now, ReCity. I love ReCity, but I never worked for ReCity. I actually worked with American Underground. So I worked for American Underground, which is how I got access to, you know, Google and some of the brands that you'll see on my bio. And that's where I was one of four co-founders of Black Wall Street Homecoming. So Talib and Tobias and Dee and I, we co-founded Black Wall Street Homecoming through our relationship with American Underground. ReCity invited me to be a host, a co-host on the podcast. And I'm a big fan of their work and couldn't say no because it was all around justice and justice-led, justice-oriented work, whatever that looks like. So it could be around you know, redlining and trees, right? It could be mm-hmm. around affordable housing or whatever. So right. we we went deep um, on that podcast and I learned a lot and was grateful to have the opportunity to work with them. Yeah. So for people who don't know what we're talking about, it is called The Just Podcast. And it is called The Just Podcast. And I have another <laughs> podcast called Reinvention Road Trip. I have two podcasts, The Just Podcast, yeah. which is around social justice issues where we get to interview amazing people, pillars in our community mm-hmm. who are doing great work in the nonprofit sector primarily but not exclusively and uncover their stories and let them tell their stories and how they're impacting the community. Mm-hmm. And then Reinvention Road Trip is my other podcast, which is designed for women who and we, I interview incredible women like yourself who are like doing, doing the thing um, that people would want to be inspired by. Yeah. And so, because we need to be inspired by each other. Yeah. Right. That's we don't hear enough of that. We don't hear enough of those powerful and important stories, particularly women of color. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, thank you for the compliment. I I feel accomplished now, Come even on. more so. Yes. Girl. Absolutely. But that's the point, though, right? <laughs> to make other people feel it good. Is. I think sometimes we, we sleep on ourselves. Sometimes sometimes we are so, so caught up in, in our head, so caught up in the moment that we don't take the time to look around and say, wow, like I've come a long way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like even you just now, like you took me through almost 20 years worth of, yeah. you know, your work and your life and what's led you to this point. And sometimes it's good to look back. Sometimes it can be scary to look back. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you may feel like, wow, I thought I was going to be further along or, yes. you know, I thought, you know, I didn't realize I'd come so far. And, mm-hmm. you know, these were the days I dreamed about. What am I complaining about? Um, and so it's easy to, to get in your head. And so sometimes I think it's good just to have people here just for them to get out of their heads sometimes and realize like, no, like people are looking at you right now. Like you're yep. doing great. Yes. Um, so with you, you're talking about your business and you do have a book yep. out. 
the re talking about reinvention for women. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I have a book. Um, so I've, <laughs> so I have a book out, um, that is a dating book. It's okay. called, Oh Lords. I don't have a copy of it. And I also have a workbook that's called the 28 day reinvention road trip. So this is the book workbook. That's not for sale. You have to go through our program to get access to this beautiful 90 page full color book. It's gorgeous. Um, but it takes you day by day by day by day through 28 days and takes you through these exercises with a cohort and, and the power of reinvention and does exactly what you just described about two minutes ago about looking back. Okay. We spend a whole week on that, a whole week on what we call crucible moments and like discovering the fire within. Oftentimes we are so stuck in, like stuck in our head, yeah. stuck in the present, worrying about what we, what we're going to do tomorrow and and the way to get out of that narrative and to disrupt that very um, toxic, potentially toxic habit, because it's not productive, mm -hmm. a potentially toxic habit is to sit down and we do it for a week and we map out our crucible moments, moments that have been intense, have, have created a space where we had to decide, are we going to be better tomorrow than we are today? Are we going to make it out of here? And we have to dig deep. Like it could be a death. It could be, uh, it could be moving across the country. It's a, it's the crucible moments are those transformative fire moments that nobody else knows about mostly that we lose sleep over and they change us forever. Mm -hmm. And the goal is it's like wrestling with it's that these crucible moments are like wrestling with the person that we are today trying to become the person we're meant to become. It's that wrestle. Mm -hmm. And so if we get through that week, women look back and they're like, wow, I'm badass. Like I, I am, I am so accomplished. I know what adversity looks like and I got through it. Mm -hmm. I get my voice now for the first time. I understand my contribution. I know it matters that I'm in this room. Those, that Fire comes through that week because if you're forced to look at your accomplishments, you're forced to look what you survived in some cases, um, what you've championed and how you've won. And that's important. Yeah. So that's the workbook that again, isn't for sale, but it's um, part of the program. So which people can check out on the website after the book that I have out is on Amazon. We just got another award. So I'm very proud. So thank you for bringing it up because <laughs> we got a people's choice award for some publishing company. I don't even know. They just sent us a note, which is exciting. Um, that book's on dating girl. Yes. That's a whole, that's a whole nother, I noticed. that's a whole nother thing. I mean, that's reinvention at a different level, right? So I co-authored that book during the pandemic. We just, you know, wrote it and, um, because it was just something fun to do with a friend and we archetype, um, eight male archetypes or dating archetypes, but they can be, they're both, they're gender agnostic. So it can be whoever, oh. right. But, okay. but we, we will focus on men. That's what we call, Oh Lords. And you know, you got your good guys, you got your cheaters, you got your regular old folks that really aren't doing nothing right. You got the good guy, but not my guy. Yeah. So we have various types of uh, encounters that you might have out in the dating world. And then we tell our stories. So with each chapter, I give a personal story of a man that I dated. Mostly I give two stories. I think every chapter oh. because I dated like a champ in my thirties girl. <laughs> I dated like a champ. Okay. So, and I, there were stories that my friends were like, did you talk about such as, I was like, he didn't even make the book, and oh. he but he didn't make the book. And there were people who did not make my book. But I had plenty, plenty of stories to pull from. So it's fun. It's light reading. It's a lot of fun. You get to know me at a level that most would, would my, I was like cringeworthy. I was like, I hope my mom doesn't. I wanted her to read it, but I was like, I don't want to talk about it. Just read it and then don't talk to me. That's about funny. It. Yeah. Oh, God. 
So, anyways, it, that that's the book. It's it's fun and it is empowering because it's all about agency. We mm-hmm. talk about in that book always about having a voice and getting agency over your life and stop repeating these same bad habits. You know, I was in a bad relationship, like a, a, a it was a relationship that lasted ten years, and he you know, was married, but separated all of the things I'm happy, comfortable saying is in the book. And it was this gaslighting, constant gaslighting. So I would see other people and come back and he's like on the verge of getting the divorce, all the things that we know as women with this, we go through this shit. And I learned so much in that it was like, girl, get it. You, you are, why do you continue to put yourself in the passenger seat of your own life and let somebody else drive you everywhere Yeah, into walls and round corners and back to the beginning and you just along for the ride. And so at some point there was a, a moment, an awakening for me that changed everything. Mm-hmm. And, and it, and I'm dating now and I'm in a healthy relationship, but you have to learn, you have to, as women, we have to have agency over our lessons. It's not everybody else's fault. We have choices every day. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, girl. Jesus Christ. First of all, I'm 28. Let's just start there. Okay. Um, I feel like I need to be dating as That's a champ. Yes, you need to date like a champ, like J-Lo. That girl. Good night. Yeah. Need a new one every week, like J-Lo. J-Lo. Jesus Christ. J-Lo. J-Lo's got stories for days. Got stories for days. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's fun. I think there's nothing I wrong with great. owning that and every part of it. I just think you touched on so many things as it relates to like how we can tell our story, right? What parts we can dwell on and what parts we can highlight and what yep. parts we can really learn from and uh, use to help other people learn and things like that. Um, I definitely think there's parts of our stories that we shy away from sometimes. Because uh-huh. we have shame. Because mm-hmm. I couldn't tell that part of my story about, you know, the, what I said about being in a relationship with a man who was married but separ- swept, separated for ten, all that, I, I couldn't have told that in my 30s. I was still working through it. But now I'm, I'm okay with it because I learned lessons. So yeah. I'm not ashamed anymore. There is power in your story. Yeah. And to your point, a lot of people aren't comfortable sharing those things, and they don't have to. They don't. They literally don't have to do anything. Right. But I think there is work to be done around the shame that comes with our stories. That if we can step out of that and flip flip it, it can empower us. Yeah. And that's that's special because it elevates it elevates you to the next level because we have one life to live. I don't want to be cycling around a toilet bowl on some mess that isn't helpful. <laughs> that's fair. That's <laughs> a good I mean? analogy. I mean, yeah. yeah, that's fair. So going back to um, you talking about you know being a fourth generation entrepreneur, yeah. you know representation is so important. And I think sometimes it has been hard for me to find the language to express why. Mm-hmm. Because representation doesn't necessarily mean exclusion, right? Like we hear about Jesse Owens, who was this great Olympian, but then he he died as a janitor, though. Yes, he did. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, man, you see these great people that are doing great things, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that story ends up happy, um, you know, or that they benefit from being the person that people see, right? Um, but when it comes to, you know, I guess like in my own way, trying to find language for why it's so important is because just for people to see that and be influenced by that leaders breed other leaders. Right. So in the same way that your family influenced you, it's kind of the same way that you're working with these women in the cohort to not only be the best version of themselves and acknowledge the best versions of themselves, 
but use that to influence their community and influence their lives, influence their jobs and all the people that they come in contact with. Yeah. Um, so can you talk to me a little bit more about how you kind of started off saying like, okay, like I'm ready to do my own thing. I'm ready to focus on women. I know you said the pandemic, but kind of what, what else was kind of your mindset once you made that decision? What was that next step? Mm. I, um, I was working on this for about, for a couple of years. So you know, when you see it, when you see the move, and this is with everything, when we make moves, yeah. people think that was the moment. Oh, that was the first moment. That was when the it's first like, moment. No, this they started have no years. idea. This is not an overnight anything. Like yeah. you're working on it. If you're if you're wise, <clears throat> and you and you are, if you're wise, <laughs> you are working on a plan to make to take that step, mm-hmm. right? And and here's here was my formula. I, I know some, some of it was physical, like I just felt like it was time. And then when I felt like it was time, I didn't do it. And I waited a little bit longer to like test and verify that mm-hmm. it was time. Trust. So you have to trust your gut, but verify. And verify means, are you financially ready? Do you have the support system around you? Are you mental, is your mental health ready to take on this next chapter? Because risk can be very it can be can be ridden with anxiety if you are not, if you don't have the mental health to stand you up during it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where's my son? Is he okay? Like, is, is everything in his life fine? So, like, I was t- testing and poking at everything around because I felt like I was ready, but I was it was trusted. But let's verify. Mm-hmm. So I would pop around all the things that mattered, the things that would potentially pull me out of the game. Mm. And that's what you need to be honest about it. Just yeah. because you want to do a thing doesn't mean you should do a thing. Yeah. It may not be the time to do the thing. So what, are, what is it you want to do? And what, have you, what has historically held you back? Mm. What, is, what are your roadblocks? And name them. And then say, okay, what happens if that pops up? What are you going to do? And then you, you figure out your plan. What's your plan of action? I'm going to call a person. I'm going to have a reserve account. I'm going to whatever you need to do. And you put that all in place. And then when you're ready, and you'll probably be at about 80% because you're never going to be ready, especially women. We don't do a thing because we're not at 100%. So you get to about 80%. In my, this is my formula. Other people have different percentage. Um, and then you jump off the comfort. We call it a, I call it a comfort cliff. So you've been on that comfort cliff. You've done the work. Mm-hmm. You're at the edge. It's time to go. Yeah. But I think to your point, one, like, I don't even think I was at 80%. I just was also at the point where I was ready to not be comfortable in that way. Yeah. So I was like, my percentage is different. Yeah. And also I have a lot less to worry about. I don't have yeah. kids. So I was like, 60 sounds good. Let's go. That's a good point. <laughs> 60 That's sounds a good. really good point. Yeah. 60 sounds good. Yep. Yeah. You so. were like, I'm at 60. That's good enough. I mean, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. I think that's great. Yeah. But the other half is like, you know, to going back to Jess and Co, you were saying like, this wasn't the first decision that you made in terms of going for it, you know, at that time, it just looked like it was the first one. Right. You know, Justin Coe's been around for years, right? Yeah. And I think sometimes when we get caught up in these, like, side hustles, per se, yeah. you know, the perception, at least what I feel like the mainstream perception of a side hustle is, one, to make you more income, right? Because your full-time job yes. is not providing that. For sure. And then the <laughs> other half is, well, if, you know, you're passionate about it and you're serious about it, this is to replace my full-time income, right? right? So this is to be my full-time job at some point. And a lot of people, myself included, I was not, and Studio was not my side hustle for very long in comparison to what people may think of in terms of side hustles, Mm -hmm. I think. But I think my 
short kind of short-term side hustle phase is what people think is the mainstream and that's really not the case mm -hmm. either you know i think a side hustle can't be as long as you want it to be until sure. you it, you know as long as it takes you to reach that 80 percent, that 60 percent, or that percentage that you feel comfortable saying okay i'm ready to to make this move and this is the right time and i have the right resources and support system to to move me forward but that doesn't mean that that side hustle is any less valid or important or necessary really you know what i mean yeah yeah you know helios who's here in house here right yeah helios, they talk about necessity driven entrepreneurship so many of us are uh attempting businesses to close the gap mm -hmm. at the end of the month it's mm -hmm. a, it's necessity driven entrepreneurship so they have a job but then they're like but i can do this i bake cakes or i can do barber on the side or whatever and we're closing gaps, we're closing gaps, and we do what we need to do to, to meet the needs of our families. Mm -hmm. And I think that that can spin out and become a beautiful full-time deal, right? right? Where you can start to scale it and you can replace income. That's one thing. You, you laid them out beautifully. I don't, I think, um, you know, the hustle, people get, there's a lot of criticism around side hustles or people saying that's your the side hustle is your real full is your full-time job and your full-time job is just the side hustle right yeah and then that makes you feel like that could make someone feel like what they're doing they're not putting their whole heart into they're not they're not they're not um committed right you know what i mean that i should do more i want more they should want more i mean some people just have a little etsy a little Etsy account. They're making things on the weekend. It brings them joy. It creates fulfillment. They're making a little extra money. They're going on vacation with it. Let's not shame them and to be like, why don't you have more ambition? And you should want to replace your job. And mm. no, yeah. I think it's great. I think people need to find their passion. I think if they can make a little money off their passion, wonderful. For me, again, what I was doing, I loved. Mm -hmm. It just wasn't, I knew you get to this point where you know that what you have inside you, like the things that you keep thinking about, you wake up in the middle of the night, it's mm -hmm. on your mind, you know, and over and over and over, it's like nagging at you. Yeah. You're like, that's more than a notion. Yeah. This is, you see people doing it around you. You're like, well, why can't I? And then once the, that I couldn't answer that question anymore, I was like, well, then you're just, you're just not like you're scared of something. Mm -hmm. And that's when I did work. And I think, again, you have to, you, I worked a full-time job and had a business for, I mean, I, I mean, 10 years, maybe mm -hmm. I think I started, I started a little, a little side thing when I, um, when I moved here and developed a software for Omega Sci-Fi international okay. fraternity and help them with their conclaves and so I would do their housing and we did and I worked with a with a friend in Raleigh and we developed this little software and it was like Travelocity for the queues right so they would go on they book their housing and I made a good grip off of that I mean I did that for like eight years I was like all right they bought me a car I mean essentially right like and they didn't buy me a car they paid me enough that I could you know what I'm saying like it was a good grip on the side yeah but at no point at no point <laughs> Was I like, I want to do this right here forever. I was like, no, I just happened to see an opportunity. I put it together. Yeah. It was what it was. It was a good run. And then off I kept, you know, so I was doing a lot on, because I was a single mom. Yeah. You know, I got divorced and it was me and Kit and Trey and, and my kid. And so I was like, well, what can I do to make it make the life that we want? Right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm skilled. I'm capable. I have talent. I am educated. Yeah. We put something together and we put something together and then that led to something else to something else. And then 
and then Jess and Co. So, but at no point did I, did I ever, did I ever guilt myself that I should be doing more? But then there was this moment with, with the company where I said, it's time. Mm -hmm. It just, I couldn't get the voice out of my head. It was, I was, I couldn't drown it out anymore. Mm -hmm. And so it would have made me crazy. (laughs) <laughs> to not do my to not step out, I would have felt some kind of way like I was betraying myself. Right. And I think I don't know for you like that. I think that's a good word. Like yeah. Betrayal. Yeah, it is. It definitely is because you're denying yourself. Correct. You know your full potential and yes. all that you could be. Not even potential, but all that you actually are. Yeah. You know, and all that you just walking in that. It's sometimes you know I've said this and I didn't realize the power of what I said when I said it, but I was like you know. To recognize, you know, the and I am religious or, you know, I was raised Baptist, you know, it's like to recognize where God has brought me from and to recognize that this talent is not something that I could have ever, you know, solely done on my own, right? Yes. You know, mm-hmm. to deny that and to n- deny that this is something I think about all the time and want to find a way forward with, like, if I, just because nobody else that I know has done it doesn't mean it's not possible, you know, yeah. everything that that exists wasn't possible at yeah. one point. Yeah. People thought it was impossible. It yeah. didn't exist. And then all of a sudden it was created. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you, it is an affront to, to the creator who has given you the power to create. Why would you not yeah. go after it? That's right. And that's not everybody's thing. And that doesn't mean you necessarily need to be a full time creative entrepreneur. It just means that, you know, you should definitely listen to yourself, too. Um, Yes. Be honest about that. That's right. Yeah. It doesn't mean you have to, it doesn't have to flourish into a full-time business. Yeah. But if your gift and it's, and you're making, again, making a little money and you're, and you're finding fulfillment and joy using a gift that you can't use in your full-time job, maybe you got a degree in accounting and you're an accountant and a CPA and you're doing the good work and paying, doing my taxes and all, they're not paying my taxes. That would be nice. Uh, But doing my taxes, right? You're, you're doing the thing. That's a good work. That's a good work. But if you have another side to your brain, I have a good friend who has both sides of her brain. She's an artist and she's a COO. Mm. And so for her, when she's not working, she's painting, right? She's doing scrapbooky stuff or whatever she does, but she needs to do that. She needs to use her hands. She needs to think creatively. She needs to let it all out on the canvas Mm -hmm. and she can sell them. She can put them on Etsy. She can do whatever. That's not the point for her. Yeah. The point is, is that she has a gift and a skill. Yeah. It fulfills her deeply and the process is what matters for her. Yeah. So, you know, just because you doesn't become a thing thing doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about creative partnerships because you've had quite a okay. few because you co-hosted the Just Podcast, right. correct? Um, and then you co- you've you co-written a book. Yeah. And I'm sure you've co-done a lot of other things. <laughs> so it's just kind of like uh, what has been your approach to um, creating successful partnerships with people of all different personalities, backgrounds, um, genders, all this, all the things. Yeah. I don't know. I guess it goes back to the, the secret sauce for me is, um, there's two things. One is I, well, there's, there's two things and something you should know. I am not an extrovert. I come off like the thing, all the things, right. I do public speaking. I'm, I have my couple podcasts. So I am very public in the sense that I use my voice. Mm-hmm. But I'm, but I am an introvert by nature. I like, I just, I, I can only do so much. So it is a skill that I've been, that I have worked on. I used to be very much an extrovert, but over time, having a child, raising a child, all the things, crucible moments, you, you change, you're not always the same person. So I've evolved over time. 
So one thing you should know is that that, that is true. And so it is work for me to build relationships. I work at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm very strategic. So I have the gift of connecting with people and kind of like hear, listening to like what they're saying and then saying it back to you. And that is endearing because, and it's not, it's not manipulation. It's like, that's what I would want. I want somebody to listen to me yeah. right as I'm talking. I want you to be actually engaged and thinking like, oh, I'm curious. And so I'm very curious about people and about things I don't, I don't fully understand. It can drive people crazy because I'll be asking like, I'll do a follow up and it'll be like, help me understand. I'll say this all the time. People drive, drive them crazy. I'll be like, help me understand what you just said. Like, help me understand. And they're like, are you making fun of me? I'm like, I am not. I'm literally asking you to help me understand because I want to know it better. Have you heard of Chris Voss? No, I don't think so. So Chris Voss, he was like this FBI negotiator and he has a master class. For people that watch oh, the good. show, they probably master I love masterclass. <laughs> so, <but> Chris <laughs> Voss is actually the reason, the original reason I bought masterclass because he has a class on negotiation, oh. and he does this thing called like mirroring, where he's like, once you get good at it, you'll just do it without thinking, where you'll repeat the last like three words somebody said in a different order, and like that'll prompt him to give you more information, and that just sounds like what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, and like without any education on it, but that is, yeah. you watch it and you kind of understand and you know what feels good to you, like yeah. how you you want to engage with somebody you sort of give it back to them and when you build those kinds of relationships you start to build trust and people want to work with you yeah and I and that's the thing that I can't get young people to understand I really can't I'm like the young people get so caught up in their own ways they want to do a thing and I'm like if you don't live in I'm not this isn't a millennial shot this is just young people I mean my kids are whatever Gen Z whatever he is this and but it's not all about you. And so you have to, in, if you want to move ahead, you have to imagine what the other person on the other side of the table needs. Mm-hmm. What do they need? What, is, what are they not saying to you because they don't necessarily trust you or they don't want to be vulnerable? How can you help them be their best self in that conversation? Yeah. And then you, the, the doors of opportunity open. So partnerships come to me. Not because I'm seeking them out, but because I just value people and people think, oh, I'd like to work with Jess on this. Or have you thought about calling Jess? She'd be great for this. And I mean, I don't know. I don't know what we're doing, but you call (laughs) me and they'll be like, okay, that sounds cool. Let's do it. I'm I'm down. Let's do it. And then that leads to the next thing. So that's the creation, I think, of partnerships is relationship building. Yeah honest, authentic relationship building where you're not centering yourself, but you're centering the other person. And that is a skill. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes too, it can be discouraging because sometimes people will get frustrated, but I think even that frustration tells you something about them. It tells you how seriously they take it. It tells you maybe what interactions they've had in the past and they've talked about things that are interesting to them. Yeah. And it can be off-putting to, you know, like, when you're first starting out and first developing a relationship to have that kind of rebuttal or what you perceive to be a rebuttal, like yeah. early on when you're trying to get to know someone. Yeah. And I'm also introverted. I mean, like I get it. Nobody wants to feel like they're bothering someone or like frustrating someone or aggravating someone just by asking questions when you're just like, I, gen- I don't know what you're talking about. Like, curious. <laughs> yeah. but it, but it helps in the long run because it's like, if this coming up now, it's probably going to come up again. Mm-hmm. And if nothing else, it decreases the chance of a miscommunication, which is also to me even more frustrating than somebody asking me for 
clarification. A thousand percent. Yeah. A thousand you know. percent. Yeah. And then you what, try, to under, try to explain that. Like, yeah. if you do it this way, you're actually saving yourself time. Yeah. You know, and you've created a genuine relationship. And I will tell you, there are, I have a million, well, I'm an exaggerator, so I have many examples. <laughs> I'm trying to really work on that. I have many examples of one relationship would lead to another relationship, which led to a check which led to another check, which led to another, you know, I'm talking about money now when I say check, right? <laughs> like relationships that I'm telling you, I could do a timeline. I could do an entire class on, cause I haven't done any actual work on my business. It's all referral. Mm. I mean, I'm out on social media, yeah. but the, my other side of my business is all referral. Yeah. And it's this to that, to this, to that, to this, to that. And y'all that is from people trusting my work and knowing me as a human and wanting to work with me. It is not about, nobody knows, no one knows what my degree is. No one ever asks. Beautiful. Beautiful. Like, yeah. No one. Yeah. I don't know the last time someone asked me what I, it, do you have a, I don't know the last time somebody asked me if I have a degree. Yeah. I do. But in marketing and management, I mean, you know I mean? Mm-hmm. from a small private school 24 years ago. So everything I learned is not, so, you know what I mean? Yeah. But no one asks. Yeah. Yeah, people know I moved here from Alabama. They don't know where. They don't know where I went to school half the time. They're just like, they don't. she's from Alabama. So, like, you know. It's more important that we like you, yeah. that we want to work with you, that we trust you, yeah. right? And then maybe that'll come up later, but it doesn't matter at that point because yeah. you've demonstrated that you can deliver a product. Exactly. You can deliver on your word. And that's all people. People are paying for that. They're not paying for the paper you got, 20, well, for in my case, 20 years ago. <laughs> so, you know? Yeah. yeah. No, but that's real. And I do think like that's kind of, where I think successful my age millennial entrepreneurs are. I feel like Gen Z more like how's it like 90 plus percent all online. A lot of the people that support them have no idea who they are in real life. Yeah. But for me and people around my age, so like late 20s, 30s, early 40s, they have done really well when they have been able to marry having a really solid online personal brand and a really solid in-person network of people who actually know them, can speak to them, have worked with them, and are willing to put their names in rooms that they're not in yet. Yes. You know what I mean? I think, and to me, that is my ideal way. I'm glad that I'm in this, this era of people, right? Yes. Because the online world, and I think it's great, I think it's a great opportunity, don't get me wrong, but it's also fickle. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Those people don't know you personally, yeah. and if you do something they don't like, they can just as easily pull their support. Whereas like people in real life, they're going to at least talk to you. They're going to ask you if something comes up, you know, they're going to be more willing to work with you if they know who you are on a personal basis. Yeah. Um, And those things, I mean, it's it's also just like, okay, that relationship leads to another relationship that leads to a check. That first relationship could have been five years in the making before you ever even got introduced to the second person. Yeah. Or if you you may have done it for free. Yeah. In my case, that's true. I offered my services a talent for free which people don't advise you to do that. I say a thousand times, that's not real. You should do that. You don't give away your, you don't give away your life. Yeah. But there are, there are moments, there's moments of lightning in a bottle where you see somebody that you're like, I would love to work with you and you, I would love to connect with you. I'd like to be in the space with you. How can I support your mission? Yeah. I'm willing to give you my time. Yeah. And that has led to hundreds, if I did the math, hundreds of thousands, if not a million dollars in actual real revenue mm-hmm. for my business, for my family, because I said I would work on a festival, a healthcare festival many years ago for free. Mm-hmm. 
I can't, I cannot underscore that enough because yeah. we just want everything to be fast, easy. We want to get paid for everything. And, and I'm saying to you, the distinct, the distinction, your differential value proposition comes from doing things that other people aren't willing to do. Yeah. And sometimes it's doing a little something over here for free while you're getting paid for five things over here until those things meet yeah. and lightning in the bottle. Yeah. And I feel like too, part mm -hmm. of it was at least for me, you know, I did things for free that I knew I wanted to do for money at some point. Yes. And early on, you know, I did things for money that maybe I wasn't as passionate about, but hey, I needed, I had bills to pay. Yes. I had bills to pay. So times. at some point, you know, obviously, thankfully, they, they came together and I was doing work for money that I wanted to do and was passionate about. But like, yeah, it is not the pretty part. And I guess to me, even free, I mean, it all depends. It depends on, you know, the scope of work. If somebody wants you to do right. something egregious, then yeah, no, maybe no. not. But like, yes. if it's within reason, if it's within your ability to give it, yeah. And it's something that you know you want to do, somebody you know you would love the chance to work with on a paid project in the future, and this would be a good way for you to get to know them, low stakes. Yes, yes. Yeah, there's a lot of I think of there's a difference between doing a favor yeah. and being strategic. Yeah. And there's no, at no point, I mean, I do favors for friends, but even then, I mean, I'm careful about my time now because time really is money yeah. at, at this point in my career, so I have to be very careful about it. But strategy is very different being strategic about what your move you're trying to make yeah which paid off for me yeah. and has many times different examples over versus just doing a favor because I said something on a podcast that you're like well I guess I'll just do this for free no what you just said is perfect yeah. it has to make sense yeah align with your vision and add to your portfolio or create an opportunity for being paid later yeah tenfold it's yeah. about it's an exponential value return yeah that's what you're looking for yeah so and we're not talking about exposure we're not talking about like well if you do this you know you'll get exposure and that's not what i'm talking about you know i'm talking about actually like this is something even if i don't pro se get exposure this post doesn't go viral that i did or this festival doesn't you know not everybody associates me with this festival Correct. the people who need to know know that's exactly right. you know the what i mean like, <laughs> no new and in about three years later i should do the math on this, this is a good story i'm gonna go back and tell <laughs> right the next time with timelines and stuff but it was a couple years it wasn't like in six months in like two or three years maybe three years she calls me out of the blue I'll never forget I was in the car and I was talking to her and I was like so I was like Sylvie I was like hey girl she was like hey she was like you know I really can't I can't work this festival I, I can't do this thing I'm supposed to be in charge of it whatever would you mind coming in and do it I was like great it was my first contract with her mm -hmm. that contract led to a second year's contract which led to a full-time job at Capital Broadcasting which led to American Underground which led mm -hmm. to Black Wall Street which led to Leadership Triangle which led to my company yeah. which led to exposure to Google exposure to all of the majors out in California I mean you know it's just one yeah. phone call and the reason why she remembered me, she's like, I remember you did that healthcare festival a couple of years ago, and I know you can pull this off, and I'm in a pinch. Mm. She's like, but this ain't free, girl. I got you. So she paid me <laughs> a little contract, right? And it, the wheels on that journey of my life took off in a, in a time when I needed it. I mean, we didn't get into my personal story, but financially during the 2008-2009, I was nearly homeless. Mm. And there was a point, I mean, that call could not have come at a better time. You talk about being faithful and knowing that there's something bigger than you. Mm -hmm. the, it will align. It works in your favor. The, you know, God is, is he's conspiring for us. Yep. We have to listen and we have to honor sort of the journey. Yeah. Like lean into the journey, pick up the phone when it rings. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. So 
going back to your book a little bit and, and being a writer, yeah, had you ever written before? Like what you said it was something fun, but like writing is still in some ways work. So like how, how was that experience for publishing your first book? Yeah, it's a whole new thing. It was a lot of fun to learn about the because there's publishing is as a it's its own industry, right? So and I had no exposure to it. So you asked me two questions. One is, I love writing. Okay. I ruminate, and it makes me crazy. So that's, I love to write. I'm a creative writer. So the book that I wrote doesn't demonstrate, like, the creative writing side of me. But I'm actually writing another book that does. And, it, and I love language, and I love painting pictures with words, and I love getting a sentence right. I love telling stories. I love it. I love to write. <laughs> um, so, so wasn't the writing part was was fun to a point until I ruminate to the and then I go I I can't get out of my head mm-hmm. and that's why it was really nice to have a co-author because she helped me stay on task and like pushed me to finish and be like girl it's fine keep it moving let's can we turn this manuscript in the other side of your question is the publishing side which was so much fun to learn research and interview people and and it's a machine so once you have a book you have to market your book Mm-hmm. It is a second phase of a business. So right. we were running a business and putting a lot of money into it. And so you learn, you have to invest in your, your projects. It is not a notion to write a book. Like you need to have money. Yeah. If you're going to do it right, you need to have time and you need to have a vision for what it is you want it to be. Otherwise it's just a book that you wrote that maybe your friends read. Yeah. You spent thousands of dollars on and you feel good about it. And if that's, enough like you just want to be an author then all day long go ahead people spend money on golf they spend that kind of money on golf <laughs> and they ain't got none to show for it except for, i don't know whatever that's called the score whatever it is um and i have golf clubs you should i should know what is it called you know I what know. i mean like I under, it's their golf it's their golf what's it called i'm like in the comment section <laughs> when you see this on youtube please let us know what that's called it's the golf it's what is your golf score is it score? I should know. Girl, I'll... that's... I need you all to help us out. <laughs> Anyways, they spend all that money on Golf Girl and Tea Times and the XYZ, so... And they have nothing to show for it. Yeah. If you want to spend money and invest in an, a book, yeah. and you really just... It's fine. Yeah. But just know you're going to do that. Yeah. That's going to cost you money. Yeah. So let's talk about investing in original work. Because that's a question I get mm-hmm. a lot. So right now, I do primarily do a lot of work for clients. This is one of my main and only current original pieces of work that I do, the podcast. But I want to get into funding my own original film projects and things like that. And I think for artists and creative entrepreneurs, obviously myself being a good example of that, getting back to funding our own original and creative projects can be a journey. Mm -hmm. right? And I think people also underestimate how much it costs to self-fund or to fund creative works right? on a decent scale right so like like a book like a short film and you should see the numbers that I've seen people throwing out very casually I'm talking like half a million for a feature film you know three million for a feature film like you know you would think oh you can just make this for like t-, you know then it, it you know when you start to hear those numbers then that's what you, it makes you start even more start to look at people crazy when people think that like oh can you write this for like you know two cents a word and it's like how, how, like, how, how do you reconcile? That? Yeah. Like how low skill do you think this is? Or how, like, 
unskilled do you think I am that I can just do, you know what I mean? Like that is just take two seconds and this is all this is about and this is just gonna blow up and it's gonna be great and everybody's gonna be searching for this and all these things and it's like, no, not exactly. That's not all that goes into making a great book and writing a great landing page and marketing a book well and marketing a film well or whatever the project is, let's say a photo book or something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it takes a lot of work to fund creative projects and a lot of energy to fund creative it projects. Um, so for you, obviously the book was a fun project, but even going now into your second book that you're currently writing, you know, as you're thinking about, okay, now I'm doing this kind of solo, like what is this going to cost me and take away from my other parts of my business and what, you know, do I want to make on this book? You know, how much do I want to put in on this book? What has been that creative process like going towards that alone? Mm. When you started asking this question, I was like, do we have a part two of this podcast? (laughs) I was like, this question alone is, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to share some things, but I, you know, it's really interesting when, because when we start to talk about money, you know, that gets people nervous. They don't want to talk about it. I'm very open about money. Yeah. I just think in our community, especially, we got to stop that. Yeah. We have to be honest about what we need, what we can't do, our limitations. Mm-hmm. You know, we all want to be like, I got it, I got it. And we throw it on a card. And and sometimes you need to, as long as you can bridge to get, I mean, we got, sometimes we have to do what we have to do, but we don't talk honestly about money and see credit as not real. And so I am very sensitive about this topic because it is an investment. Mm-hmm. We do spend, I've, so last year I'm putting my, look, I have put my cup, cup down <laughs> for this. this. Oh, oh, nothing in it. But rather than think about the book that the next book that I'm writing, I think it's a good, a good case study is the, the reinvention road trip program that we developed. Okay. Because, you know, you can have a brand on Instagram and Twitter and all the things and your women's empowerment. But what are you, that's great. I got great quotes and I'm doing public speaking. My public speaking gigs cannot afford, I, I cannot afford, like my lifestyle needs more than just the yeah. couple thousand here, a thousand there. Mm-hmm. So I can't make it on public speaking. So, so our team... And I brought in somebody who would, who would support me, and we worked out a contract or whatever. So he's getting like revenue share on the back end, right? But gave me his expertise up front. So you have mm-hmm. to have relationships, people with relationships to bring in when you want to get creative and you want to expand your business. And I got a contract during COVID. I was making pretty good money. I'm making good money, but in COVID, I got a really lovely contract that I reserved. Mm-hmm. I reserved to make a personal investment into a product. So that we weren't just Jess's brand, mm-hmm. you know, where she running around talking and doing things and inspiring women, which is great. But like, what do you, how do you help transform them? What is your differential value proposition for your business? Mm-hmm. We didn't have a product. So we spent all of last year, starting in <clears throat> this time last year, so it's been one year, developing a product and I had to hire a team. Mm-hmm. And I spent $80,000, we just did our numbers. of my own money that I didn't have the year before because I, but I had a contract that I was able to set aside. Mm -hmm. This is what I want to say to folks. Like you have to be strategic and intentional. You take a small business loan, you ask friends and family, you take money out of your own pocket that could have gone to my son's college tuition. Mm -hmm. And I invested it into this business so that I could develop a product. Mm -hmm. And now the product is paying us back because we launched it in January. But do you think that for nine months of last year, every bill I was paying and this product wasn't developed, it wasn't written, 
We were in strategy meetings. We were working on it. We were beta testing it. We were getting the feedback. We were refining it. We were publishing a book, a workbook. We were getting the workbook written. We were developing illustrations. People were getting paid for that. Yeah. I wasn't, but people were because they were working towards a common goal and common vision mm-hmm. to create original content. Yeah. It's my con- it's my property. Yeah. But you have to it is bigger than, I love that you asked this question because it is bigger than the influencer brand that you, that we see. Yeah. What else is there? What's your tangible? What can I, what can I buy from you? Exactly. What can I buy from you? I love you. I love what you're showing me on Instagram. Now, how do I stay connected to you? Mm-hmm. What is it? And if you're not willing to figure out ways, cutting back at the house, figuring out what your budget is, figuring out, you know, getting your credit straight so you can get a little loan. If you believe in yourself deeply that this product, whatever you're going to develop can sell and you test the market, because we beta tested, we didn't just assume that I knew everything, right? We asked people, we took them through a program and sampled it and then refined it. And we have a better version today than we did in the fall. Yeah. But it took resources Mm -hmm. and... I don't think people realize it. They just see you out there. Yeah. They don't realize that you put your actual whole an actual whole annual salary for middle America yeah. on the line to develop a thing and you taking a risk. Yeah. That's that takes guts, man. I mean, that's entrepreneurship. Yeah. So R and D. Creative R and D. Like it's creative a creative real... R and D. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's that what she said. <laughs> simplified it. <laughs> creative R&D. But no, but I mean, like, you know, when I'm thinking about creating a course, it's like, I know exactly what you said. Like, this is going to take time. It's not just me sitting in front of a camera, you know, making videos and then just like, okay, cool. I package this together on whatever teachable think if it yeah. come by this. Like, no, I need to make sure that people actually want this. People actually care about this. People actually find a value for this. Is there a better way that I can package this and put this together yeah. in a way that people will find value? And then, okay, now that I've done that, how do I retarget this to people who would benefit from this the most, whether that is the same as I thought originally or not. Um, You know, and that course is, yes, it is a a package that people can buy. A book is a package that people can buy. And cohort-based courses, and we don't have time to get into this, but Mm -hmm. they are becoming increasingly popular because, again, in in contrast or comparison to a self-paced course, you can charge a higher amount for a cohort-based course. One, because of that classroom-like feel, yeah. and two, because you're giving them greater access to you as a person. A thousand percent. Which is what people want, right? You know, they yeah. want to... Because we have async and no one buys it. Everybody wants synchronous. They want the course with me. They yeah. want the cohort. Yeah. Yeah. See... We have async. It's available, but people are like, wait, but then what don't I get? You don't get access to your cohort every single day, you, yeah. that can, especially now in COVID, right? Yeah. Everybody wants to be connected, and you don't get me once a week for 45 minutes where yeah. we download the week, and they're like, oh, well, of course. I mean, no yeah, one, I'm telling you, not one person. Yeah, literally. So, yeah. And when we, our course is 750 to 1750. That's yeah. the async is Four, I don't even know. That's yeah. how that's how much it sells in zero time. Yeah, um, I think it's four fifty. But yeah. um, and, and imagine that times ten. Yeah, start doing the math on a course that's yeah. like seven hundred and fifty dollars times ten every single month. So yeah. that's you know seven thousand yeah. five hundred dollars a month yeah. on a thing that you built one time. Yeah, and you spend forty five minutes a week on. Yeah. 
it's worth it. Yeah. You know, if you got 20 people, that's 14, that's $15,000 a month. Yeah. So like you get the math, right? Right. It starts to add up. But you have to put the time and the money behind it to, to build a dream of that kind of revenue so yeah. that you don't have to work as hard and you can, re, you can shift like you <laughs> shift the creative energy into something else. Like yeah. you can build a new project, get right. that one going, shift and build something new. And, and I don't, because we've, we've covered so much territory here. I don't even know what people are <laughs> like, what's happening. But the other thing when I think about you developing your course, which is exciting, is you can, you can build a thing, but will they come? Like, are they gonna, do you have an audience to drop it on? Right. And so what, that was the other thing that we spent time on is that while we were creating a program and developing the resources to support the program, we started to talk to our audience, the, the women that I wanted to come into this cohort. And I didn't say buy a thing. I didn't say buy a thing for a year, mm-hmm. which is probably debatable, right? You may want to do it sooner. But we just consistently messaged to our audience, gave them free access to things, had little workshops, newsletters every week, start to build the audience mm-hmm. so that when you do have something to offer them, they want to be a part of it. They, yeah. they enjoy you. They love you. They want to be a part of your community. And they're like, oh, good, Jess has a thing that I can, I can buy into. Mm-hmm. So that you're not trying to fill a cohort, scramble to fill a cohort. They're just, it's coming because you spent, you invested in your audience. Yeah. So that will be the next. So the people, that costs money too. Yeah. You have to, and consistency. Yeah. Personal brand, like, and I know people hate this term, personal branding, but, you know, you can also call it a creative platform, if you will, where you're just growing your audience online of people who could potentially buy into whatever it is you're selling at some point whenever you have that product. But that's like, I I just don't see how in this day and age you can have one without the other. Like, you can have the in-person without the online, you know? Uh, I mean, you can, obviously somebody from Gen Z is going to come for me. I know it. But what I'm saying is like that, if you want it to be sustainable in the long run, that's the word. Yeah. That's it. It's sustainability. You yeah. can do anything. That's when I tell people to talk about grit and that, that whole word's getting pulled apart these days, but <laughs> uh, that's fine. But grit is like per, um, perseverance meets passion over time, mm-hmm. over time. Yeah. And, and that's sort of what we're demonstrating is like, it was not overnight success. This is actual strategic planning. It is real investment. It's nights where you feel like you don't want to do a thing and you're like, let me just go back to corporate America and just make my little six figures and be done with it or whatever. Like, let me get my benefits from whoever, right? You just, you sometimes you don't want to, Yeah. but the grit, that perseverance plus your passion over time is what the people you're the millennial whoever you just yeah. whoever you said was going to come for you Gen Z <laughs> who are these influencers who aren't doing a whole lot it's how do you take it to the next level with the sustainability yeah we will my hope I mean I'm building a sustainable brand I'm not building a I hope you like me today and forget about me by Christmas yeah I hope that you like me today, you love me by Christmas, you want to be a part of our community this time next year, that you're, you're wanting more and you're, you're an ambassador for me. Yeah. That's what I want. And that your lives are changed and transformed because ultimately that's what we're doing here, honestly. Yeah. Otherwise, I wouldn't have invested that kind of money in, in, a, in the business model. Yeah. Right? Oh, the potential to make $50,000 a month. No, ma'am, I am not throwing $80,000 at the potential to do a thing if it's not matched with mission. Yeah. Because I won't, I won't want to do it. Yeah. I'll give up. So 
you know, there's a lot there. The formula is interesting. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. We've dove into a lot. I don't know. Girl, I don't even know. <laughs> what are these know. show notes going to look like? I mean, I don't even know. I don't know. There could be a whole part two we may have just back if you guys tell me you want her back, you know, in the comments. Um, but for in the meantime, how can people find you online, Jess? Um, yes. Well, first of all, make sure you go get your lovely mug. <laughs> we want to we support our friend, Honey Hustle. I love this. Thank you as a gift. Absolutely. Um, and you can find me. It's very easy. My name is Jess Averhart. And so everything out there is under my name. So it's JessAverhart.com. I'm at JessAverhart on Instagram, uh, LinkedIn. And then from those platforms, you can, you know, spin out. You'll see our other website, which is ReinventionRoadTrip.com. But you can get there from JessAverhart.com. So it makes it very simple. Um, and you know, follow me. Obviously I do a lot of work on Instagram as we all do that kind of keep you up to date and what, what's happening. Um, but, uh, we're expanding our community and would love to have you join us. Yeah, absolutely. Heard it here first. Thank you again, Jess, so Thank much. For this was great. Talking about all the things. I don't know. I, I didn't mean, know it was going to go there, but I'm happy that it did. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if we met all the outcomes, but we went in places where we were like, oh, wait, make a right turn real quick. Okay, back on the road. Back on the road. This is good. Thank you. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. Absolutely.